Owen Marbury was part owner of an IT service business. Now he's locking horns with his ex-partner Devin and fighting for his reputation and his freedom. But when Michaela Stanford, his former college bestie and crush, walks back into his life, he's reminded of the fire that still burns between them. As their 20-year college reunion approaches, they have a chance to rekindle their friendship and explore love once again. But Owen's battle with Devin is getting in the way of pursuing things with Michaela. With Devin breathing down their necks and threatening their lives, Owen must decide whether to give in or fight for his heart's desire. This is the premise of Secret Second Chances, a friends to lovers second chance romance available on Amazon on March 5th. Pick up your copy today. This is the Nerdy Romantics Podcast, and I'm your host, Y.M. Nelson. Hello, Nerdy Romantics. Today we are doing uh, another episode of Who Gets an HEA. We are talking today about multicultural romance and interracial romance. We have uh, with us today um, guest host Marcy, Mary, Stacy, Pam, and Jen. And they're all going to recommend some great books with interracial or uh, multiracial, multicultural romance going on, main characters. So um, I'm going to kind of start it off as uh, if this is your first time hearing this Who Gets an HEA series, usually what we do is we'll recommend these romances with certain main characters based on theme. And we talk about, of course, the title and the author of that romance. We'll talk about tropes. We'll talk about what the book, of course, is about. If it's in a series, what the series is about. Also, why we like these particular recommendations, why we like them because of interracial or multicultural romance. And for those of you who are concerned or you like a certain heat level, we will talk heat level and what we think the heat level is for our books. I'm going to start off just with a mention because we have a lot of wonderful books to talk about and I'd rather hear about the other wonderful books than just chat so much about mine. But I had to mention Accidentally Engaged by Farah Heron. I apologize if I am not pronouncing her name correctly. Accidentally Engaged is a multicultural, I would consider that multicultural romance. Both the hero and the heroine are Canadians at this point, and they are from East Africa. The hero has actually, he grew up in East Africa, 
but then he moved to London. I'm sorry, he moved to England and he went to school in England. And so he was there for a big portion of his life. And then he moved to Canada. So uh, there's a lot of different cultures in that in this one. But um, I wanted to make sure I mentioned this one, not just because I have a Friday fun review for this one when I read it, and I do have that, and I will put the link for that in our show notes at nerdyromanticspodcast.com. I really love this one because it had a lot of different cultures, but because I learned so much about these cultures while reading a very entertaining and funny romance. Farah is known for romantic comedies. That's what she does. And she does it really well. So this particular book, um, the main character, Rena, she is in a job as a financial something. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really matter what she's doing because she doesn't like what she's doing. She really would rather bake and as the book opens you see her with a sourdough starter actually with a bunch of sourdough starters <laughs> and so you know this is where her kind of where her passion is what she would rather be doing with her time and she meets the hero nadim who's actually her next door neighbor um he's just moved in she says that he has the body of Captain America and a British accent. <laughs> so I'm thinking, wow, nice. Body Captain America, British accent, just a wonderfully lovely person, sort of, right? They don't really get along too well in the beginning. Um, it's more like um, enemies to lovers, but but partly he's an enemy because he is somebody that they're that her parents want for her. So they are her parents are kind of trying to get her to get married, and they've kind of they kind of want them to be together. And so she's like, I don't want to be with this person just because my parents want me to be with this person. So it's a little bit of that, you know, that goes on. What ends up happening is that she has this opportunity of a lifetime to join a baking competition. Unfortunately, the baking competition is a couple's competition. So she has enlisted Nadim, who she's been, you know, training a little bit to do, you know, a few baking things and talking about baking. And she's, uh, they're going to be the couple for the competition so she can enter the competition because the reward is, um, you know, the award is just amazing. And so you have your fake relationship trope going on there and it is the cutest fake relationship trope ever. I love it, it's so cute. The whole book is a really cute book. 
what I really loved about it, uh, not just because it's a cute romance, but I learned a lot about East African culture. So everybody in this book is either from uh, from East Africa or India or somewhere thereabouts. That's, you know, whether they've, you know, gone to England in the meantime, but now they're all in Canada. So they're all Canadians as well. This one I would say is in the sweet steamy category. It's really a lot more sweet than than steamy. So it's kind of in that little middle, that little middle area. The the industry is now deeming sweet steamy, sweet dash steamy. So you don't have any on page sex. There's making out on page. For those who are concerned about language, when we talk sweet steamy or when we talk heat levels, there is a certain, there are some curse words. I mean, obviously, but to me, that doesn't really count as far as heat level, but some people kind of associate those two things together. Uh, to me, it's, it's very, it's sweet, but it's totally cute. And it's just a really uplifting read. And I wanted to mention it here because, of course, we're doing this wonderful episode about multiracial and interracial romance. So let's talk about some others. Pam, what do you uh, have for us? What are you recommending today? Okay, well, uh, thanks. I appreciate you um, allowing me to be a part. The book that I'm recommending today was something that I found in an airport back at the beginning of July. I was heading to Miami and I wanted something light to read, kind of. And I think Mm -hmm. this is kind of where I went. And the name of the book is American Royalty by Tracy Livesey. What I know about Tracy, I don't, I haven't read any of her books before, but the little bit I've read about her, she enjoys writing interracial romances. That's kind of her thing. So she's written several. And uh, this book is um, a separate book. It actually came out this year. So it's fairly recent. I guess the best way to say the book is about Danny, who is a a black American rapper. And then the the other character is the cool man from England and his name is Jameson. And it's kind of interesting. At first, I wasn't sure if I was going to stick with the book, but I'm very glad I did. Yay! (laughs) Basically, the the short of the book is about these uh, these two people, Danny, and she goes by Duchess in terms of her rapper name and Jameson. And Jameson is from England. He's actually a prince, a part of the uh, royal family. And his grandmother's the queen. And the two of them get together in the most interesting circumstances. But when they get together, at first you're thinking, ah, they're not going to get along. But eventually it makes you wonder, will they get there? Will they get along with each other? And where will it go in terms of their relationship? Mm -hmm. I think a real, a real, uh, light-hearted kind of romantic comedy is what they're saying. I guess it was somewhat com- comedic for me, but it was a cute little romantic story. I thought. Great. I was going to ask you, um, what do you think about heat levels for this one? <laughs> well, as you were talking earlier, I thought of um, I thought about some of the racy language that was in it. And there is some in terms of, you know, a good bit of cursing, but also there is a point in the book 
where there is some sexy getting together. So I was trying to decide if I wanted to put it between kind of a steamy, spicy, almost going into the erotic kind of, uh, but it doesn't, I don't think it's all the way there, but I think it could be between the two. I, I guess that's my best way of saying it. Okay. What I liked though is at first hearing that she's a rapper immediately going into my stereotype my first thought was it's gonna be probably a lot of cursing yeah and it's there but I think at some point it dies down is the best way to put it so that's why I'm saying it's kind of in the middle a little steamy spice but also kind of going into the erotic as well okay you had mentioned earlier that you know, you weren't sure if you were going to stay with the book, but you're glad you did. Can you tell us a little bit more about your, is it because it's a slow burn or was it personal or yeah. Tell us a little bit about why. So what I try not to do is to read the back of books before I read them. I try to do that if I can. And if I just see it in the front, uh, the front cover, it looks interesting. I'll try to read it, but I read the back of the book. And the book basically talks about um, how this is somewhat of a lighthearted story that reminds you of a Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Okay. And so when I heard that, I said, oh, I don't want to hear a story about them again. Right. But it really, it kind of mirrors that relationship, but it's not exactly that because we're, you know, Meghan Markle is not a rapper. And this lady truly is a rapper, but she is known. She's a famous person she's royalty in america and so is jameson being um, royalty in england so that was the thing that kind of hit me first and i said i'm not sure if i want to read this but then i I decided maybe i should give it a chance because this isn't a technically about Meghan markle and prince harry and i'm glad that i did because it's not about them it does have some similarities though oh okay all right but good. Okay. I'm glad you gave it a chance and it did win you over enough to recommend it. Cool. It did. And it even grabbed my attention enough that I it took me probably a little over a whole day to read it. I just literally just kept reading it until about three o'clock in the morning. I said, uh, I think I should go to bed. <laughs> I was so I really that's why I thought it was lighthearted to a degree, funny. But it also grasps your attention when you when you get there. So I'm I was pleasantly surprised and I'm glad that I kept reading. Oh yay. Okay. I'm glad you did too. Now I'm gonna start now I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna find it and read it. Um, all right. So let's get some other recommendations here. Jen, how about you? What book are you recommending for this particular episode? Okay, I want to talk about The Way Forward by Eliana West. This is a book that actually has a a couple of tropes I don't like. So I wasn't positive that I was going to enjoy this book. But oh my gosh, she just has such a lovely writing style. and, And she just, she handled some really difficult topics in such a fantastic way that it just, I just really enjoy the way that she writes. And I really enjoy the way that she, um, that she handled this. Okay. So let me give you a little bit of background here. We have Dax, who is our hero is moving home. So this all, this is part of a series that takes place in a small town in the South. 
the town, like a lot of towns are sort of declining and is in trouble. And there's just not, um, there's not a lot happening for the town. And so he's been, he's been away, like, um, he joined the military and moved away from home and kind of did some other stuff. And so he's ready to move back home and really wants to like, okay, let's figure out how to, how to rejuvenate our town and really comes back with this purpose in mind, um, to do so. And, uh, right. We love that about him. And so then when he gets there, he finds out that Callie has also moved back to this town. So Callie's grandparents lived in this town. And so she used to spend summers there and so they knew each other when they were kids. Here's the part that I always really struggle with. Dax was a bully, like a big time bully and was cool to her as a kid um, and as a teenager, frankly. And Dax is white and Callie is, is black. I think she's actually um, biracial. And so I was like, I really don't know how you're going to do this. Like, truly, I don't know how you're going to do this because uh, it really did not feel like Dax was going to be a character that you could redeem kind of once you find out um, how mean he was. So what I appreciated though, that she did is that she really did. She really did redeem him in a couple of different ways. So, so Callie has returned to this town because this is a place where she just, even with, you know, outside of, of Dax and his, you know, general being an awful person, this was a place that was otherwise a really happy place for her and the time that she spent with her grandparents and um, just, she just really wants to have this quiet life. So she comes to town to like rejuvenate the library and that type of thing. So when Dax kind of pulls into town, he sees her and he realizes that he needs to do um, he needs to do an apology tour essentially. And this is where um, this is where Eliana West really like, she, she got me, she got me in the heart because one, when Dax, so Dax was raised by parents that were extremely racist. And so you grow up in that environment, you, you know, you learn what you're taught. Right. And so when he left town and was away from that, he realized what a terrible person that he was and that he needed to change who he was like at his core. And so then by coming back to town, he, he makes it his mission to apologize to the people that he's hurt, to um, um, to to everyone that he was terrible to, he he goes on and just apologizes continuously, and he doesn't he doesn't expect anything from them. And so he uh, so it was really something that was uh, like I said that he's a real tough bully to redeem, but I feel like she really um, she really went the extra mile with him. The two of them sort of bond over the fact that they both want to revitalize the town. And they had their own way to go about it. But the the fact that Dax is willing to come in and sort of, um, he's willing to sort of take on, you know, own the fact that he was a really terrible person in the past. And he doesn't expect anybody to forgive them, to forgive him just because he's, just because he's back, which was a really good, that was a really good sort of angle for her to include there. So yeah, so it was a really good, um, overall it was a really great book. There's some really beautiful moments that are in it. There's some great um, relationships that she has with um, with a cousin and a friend um, who was there. And Dax has a really fantastic uncle who he's got sort of a, a like a questionable past, <laughs> which makes him kind of a fun character because you're not quite sure what's going to come out of his mouth. And yeah, so lots of really good stuff happening in this book. 
So highly, highly recommend Eliana West and The Way Forward. Okay, what else can I tell you about this? You were talking about tropes that you didn't like yeah. um, that are in it, but maybe other people might like them. What are those? Yeah, tropes? so, well, one of the tropes that I, I tend to not like is when, um, is bullies. And the reason I don't usually like them is that there's just not enough of a redemption arc for me to forgive the bully for the things that they did in the past. Now, a lot of times when they were a bully, they were a child or they were, you know, or, or like a young teenager or something along those lines. And so now they're a grown adult and they've sort of learned from their mistakes. But I think sometimes that the, that it's sort of like, oh, you know what? I was a jerk back in the day and I'm really sorry. And there's sort of this expectation that since I have now apologized that you will forgive me and we're all good. And so that's why I don't like it because I, I do feel like there needs to be a lot more to that redemption arc that needs to happen. Um, when you think about the, like the pain that a bully really in, um, inflicts on somebody, like I said, what she, what she did that was a little different, um, was the amount of attention that she put on the fact that Dax himself recognized that he didn't, he couldn't expect anyone to actually forgive him. They're not required to forgive him just because he said he was sorry. And it's all sort of, it's a very subtle sort of attitude shift in, in him being willing being willing to accept that other people are not going to forgive him, that he just kind of has to be okay with it because he did a lot of bad things in the past and we can't just expect people to forgive us. Uh, So that's what I feel like she did. Right. And that's where, that's why that trope sometimes doesn't work for me because I feel like the author doesn't do enough um, to show that that bully truly has changed into a better person as opposed to someone who just is like, Oh, well, I'm sorry, whatever. And it doesn't like, doesn't like take it to heart, I guess. So that's one of the things I don't usually like about, about that trope. But, but like I said, she really got it right. She really got it right. in this one, in my opinion. And then, um, yeah. What I also really liked about Callie is so Callie, like I said, she had, she had this life, her, um, she had this life elsewhere, but when she wanted to kind of get away and she wanted to find a home for herself and build a home for herself, her parents are, her parents are, are, pretty rich, but she never felt like home was home for them because they were always doing other busy things and never really had time for her. And she's just kind of a quiet person who likes to read, (laughs) which obviously has my heart immediately when she was, when she was an adult and got to make choices for herself about who she wants to be and what type of um, life that she wants to live. She was, she decided to choose this town that regardless of negative things that had happened there in terms of the bullying and the, the racism, that this was a town that otherwise had really happy memories for her and a really um, special time for her with her grandparents. And so the fact that she came back to this town and wants to do something good here and help to revitalize it and and really bring it back from the brink, um, which is something a lot of small towns are small towns have to deal with. I just thought that the level of reality that she brings to the, to the story and to the characters uh, was done in such a wonderful way. I mean, we want our romance novels to an extent to be uh, an escape and to be something that is separate, you know, from what reality is. But every once in a while, when you get something that's that has a little bit of a basis in reality alongside sort of that um, that escapism, it's it and when it's done really well and really subtly, it's just really a great story. Right. The um, And that's what really, that's what I really liked about the book is that there's a subtlety to the way that she tells a story. And there's a subtlety to the way that she sort of brings in a lot of these really 
you know, big challenging issues. When the, when Dax comes back, he's got to deal with the fact that his, his mom is still there and she's still terrible. And if you've, if you've ever had a family member that uh, you need to minimize or, you know, put some, some healthy boundaries around um, because they are, because they're not good and they are not good for you. And so if you've ever been in that situation to sort of watch him go through that process and realize that this is a person who's not going to change. So he has to change for himself and he has to, he has to create that boundary about what he's willing to, what he's willing to listen to when, when they're together. That's what I mean. There's just, there's a lot of stuff in this book that um, was done very thoughtfully and very carefully and that I really appreciated. So you were talking about subtlety. That kind of made me think a little bit about heat level. How subtle is the heat level here? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go with like just sort of a mid-range spicy. We're not getting super, super spicy. There's definitely some. It's more on the, on the sweet steam level. Okay. Yeah. So there's... Um, there's definitely, there's definitely information on the page, but it's not, um, does not go, does not go to the R, R rating or the, the too steamy, spicy level. Definitely stays oh. in the sweet, steamy, spicy. Okay. Wait, okay. Sweet, steamy. Level. Sweet, steamy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't confuse you there. It's sweet and steamy and spicy. Wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah, right. right. It's, it's all of that? No. <laughs> It's all that in a bag of chips, Yvonne. <laughs> no, it's uh, no, it's a great one. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Another one from my TBR. But you also wanted to mention one by Angelina M. Lopez. I did. Oh, my gosh. So um, Angelina M. Lopez is one of my favorite authors. She is she's someone she brings a lot of heat. So this is a this is a real, real steamy spicy book, but she has a brand new book out called after hours on Milagro street. What I really love, I want, the reason I wanted to mention it is that, is that it it fits our theme today. It's, um, our heroine is, um, is a Latina woman and our hero is a, a white college professor. The, our heroine is a bartender, um, kind of a big time bartender, you know, from the big city. And she comes back to her hometown. So her hometown, and this is one of the things that I think just really sets it apart is that her hometown is a little town in Kansas. And um, Angelina has talked about on her, on, on social media and stuff about the fact that she's from a small town in Kansas. And oh, it's wow, just one I of those things. That. You don't think about there being a, a large um, Latin population in Kansas, but Angelina talks about being third generation from Kansas and her heroine is part of a five generation family that's there. And it's just a really interesting sort of a, a background to the, to the overall story is this idea of the erasure that happens when, um, when there's folks in an, in an area that you just don't, you don't think that they're there right. and, and how interesting that, that is. And so I really love the way that she handled it. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of challenges that are happening in the town. Again, another small town romance, but um, taken from a really different uh, different perspective. So she has a very large family that's there, and that is one of my favorite things. When you've got all the cousins, the the uncles and the aunties, and everybody's sort of in your business. And she has moved back from a, from being in the big city, so she is. She's sort of reintroduced to having all of her aunts and uncles and cousins in her business and sort of knowing what's going on with her. And, you know, this, this 
little bit of a difficult relationship with her grandmother um, who owns the bar that uh, she comes back to work in. Yeah. So there's some wonderful family dynamics. The other thing is that, is that this is a woman that has a big personality and a very, very big attitude and a very, very big chip on her shoulder. Um, oh, wow. That, this is the type of heroine that Angelina does really well. She's one of those people that, uh, that, that somebody, some folks might think, you know, she's the unlikable heroine um, because she's not, she's not polite or kind and <laughs> or anything, but she is so interesting and just fascinating to watch. And yeah, so it just makes her a really great read. So I just wanted to mention that one. You know, I think I've heard her say she does because she was um, in Camp Nano this time around July of 2022. Um, and she talked about that she likes to do alpha heroines. Yes, she does. Which yeah. it is basically what you described. And it's interesting how people flock to the alpha hero. Mm-hmm. They'll even flock to the alpha hole hero, mm-hmm. <laughs> who is super jerky. But an alpha heroine, they have a hard time grasping that a whole idea of a strong woman, a woman who's held in her convictions and will not be swayed, of somebody who's blunt, you know, mm-hmm. and they're uh, mm-hmm. a woman who's blunt in their approach and. To me, and I know for at least a, a, a few of us on the call, those are the women we grew up with. Yes. <laughs> those are the right? women we know. We love those women. We love those women. And so, yeah, so uh, she is a person who does that really well. She has another series out. Um, a three. This is After Hours on Milagro Street is the beginning of a new series that she's doing. And so her first okay. series, her first series includes... um was three books, Lush Money, Hate, Crush, and Serving Sin are the first, that first series that follows um, kind of a, a, a different group. But okay. what I love about that, Lush Money was a really fantastic book. And that is a, that's a billionaire romance where the heroine is the self-made billionaire. Love and uh, she has a whole relationship with a prince, but we're not going to talk too much about that one. So <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, a t- good recommendations all the way around, Jen. There you go. Um, let's move on to Marcy's selection. Marcy, what do you have for us today? I have one of the Men of Whiskey Row series from D.A. Young, and it's the first one called Sweet Obsession. D.A. Young, I believe, is also known for writing interracial stories um, as well. And so there's okay. a companion kind of Baymore series. I think the first book I ever read from her was The Farmer and the Bell, um, also um, an excellent read. But the Ooh. Whiskey Row series is actually based in Tennessee, and it follows um, the Sullivan brothers and then kind of branches out from there. And that's interesting because it also includes a lot of multicultural. So although my book is um, standard interracial white male black woman, there is a point in the story where you realize that kind of the patriarch of this non-traditional family and the matriarch of this non-traditional family, the patriarch is Russian 
and the matriarch is um, African-American. So it is oh, wow. both, it is multicultural as well as uh, multi-ethnic. There's also um, a lot of different variations of couples th- that you meet throughout the story. But this one centers on Jack and Noel. Jack is one of the Sullivan brothers and he is, they own like a PR firm. And Noel is one of the three leading women that you hear in the Baymore stories. And she and her friends have started a event planning company, an event planning company. And, but they were just getting started. They've had this dream since they were all kids and they're just getting started. When Noel gets a sexploitation uh, email from an ex who is trying to extort from her either that she marry him to get his citizenship or that she pay him three million dollars whoa and of course (laughs) because jack and the southern brothers are known as fixers she is um reminded that she should go and see him right they've traveled in they travel in the same social circles noel is in a lot of ways the quote-unquote black sheep of her family in that she comes from a privileged family and all of her other brothers and sisters or siblings are doing these amazing things but of course because her dream is to be an event planner that's not in the scope of what her parents would consider acceptable and right. so she's been in a lot of ways kind of estranged from them since she started making her own life choices so but jack is very much in that sphere and spends a lot of time with their family so they've seen each other before and ironically both of course have had an attraction to each other that they never mentioned right so they just try to avoid each other instead of um, addressing it until they're forced into the situation where she needs jack's help but that also of course forces jack to admit to himself that he's been attracted to her all this time now it is very much um and most of the series very much has that alpha male kind of lead character in in that they're very um again these are rich and powerful men and they behave as such but they also have (laughs) a couple of quirks in in that that come from the background of this i keep talking about non-traditional family and i don't want to give that part away but there is complexity to each of these characters into how they became this non-traditional family and so there's a depth to each of these men especially that kind of explains how they became the alpha versions of themselves and what they were overcoming to in in so doing um it also explains a lot about the dynamic that they have with the women in their lives uh because a lot of that is also born from their circumstances and then it of course explains the connection to alexi and viv and then it's funny because alexi and viv's story doesn't get told until farther down the line and then you kind of figure out how all of this came to be but i think it's kind of fun it's set in on whiskey row in this town in tennessee and and once you start reading about the characters you're like why on earth are any of these people in Tennessee? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, given their extracurricular activities, how did any of them end up in Tennessee? Except <laughs> that Tennessee might just be the place 
you can be, you can hide some of those extracurriculars. Um, it's fun to read uh, in terms of the story uh, and the energy. I would put it somewhere. It's not sweet. So it's going to go straight to steamy spicy. It's um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> in terms of the, in terms of the intensity of the scenes on the page and the language on the page, even if it's not them engaged in it, even the thoughts that they're having about each other are, are very steamy. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, and the language at a lot of times is as well. But again, once I started reading this series, I did find myself very much waiting for the next one to come. And so I think if you're a person who likes series, the fact that I believe the Baymore series, I think she's done with the Baymore series because she also has um, the Ties That Bond, which is more like a motorcycle club kind of story. Um, okay. But I think she's done with the Men of Whiskey Row and their spinoffs, I believe, uh, because she spent a lot of time in the last couple of years focused on the ties that bind. So if you're a person that likes the series, this is one that's pretty well established. So you will get that that excitement of reading the next one and knowing it's already available. I, If you're looking for a fun read, if you're looking for a steamy fun read, uh, if you like alpha males, if you like strong women, now I will say this. Although there are alpha male characters, the women are not fragile. And although they do have circumstances that they need help with, they are not the women that need to be saved, right? So Noelle is- No damsel strong, in distress They're not damsel, like Noelle, Sidra. Like these are women that come at these alpha males with the same energy that they're getting. So they're not- the the wallflower type of alpha male and damsel in distress this is definitely alpha male meets a, a version of an alpha female and they have to try to figure it out um so and i think that that's also kind of what i liked about it that it wasn't that damselly kind of story so as right. much as you see the alpha male needing to exert his um his authority you also recognize that the the women in these stories also need to exert theirs their own power and i think that's also a fun part of the read is watching this dynamic um between these two strong characters and so it's a, it, it's a fun romp it's a fun read and like i said the, the stories keep on coming and the more you meet these characters you're like what in the world now i will say <laughs> <laughs> that their extracurriculars are are not the norm and they tend to stray towards the edges of society's acceptability and so while I don't think it needs a warning of any kind necessarily I will say to expect that there are darker moments in these stories and although they are explained there are those moments as well so to to readers to just be mindful of that as well if you watch your Netflix without a parental filter, you should be fine. <laughs> yes, but if you are, if you're sticking to a PG-13, then this is probably going to be outside your your comfort zone. All right, I, actually, see that's right up my alley. Then oh no, it's good. Like you would, you would <laughs> definitely enjoy it, and it's and it's really fun for when you don't want to. When you're not looking for something that's super deep, but you're looking for something that's super fun. And when you're looking for something that has a lot of the unexpected. Oh, yeah, I like that. And, and I like the fact that you mentioned that the series and maybe the spinoffs are complete. So for those binge romance readers, which there are a lot of them out there, 
you know, they can just dig right in. Yeah, because I had to wait for a couple. I, and I would be like stalking. I was already following D.A. Young's Arthur, but I was like stalking. Like, is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? Yeah. So from that perspective, at least people who are hearing this podcast have the advantage of not having to wait as long as I did for the next part of the story. There you go. All right. Another great recommendation. Oh my gosh. My TBR is just, is piling up as if it weren't already piled up in the beginning, (laughs) but but let's move on to a couple of Scotsmen. All right. Everybody, for some reason, I'm, I'm on a Scotsman thing. And I think it has something to do with the fact that I listened to Zenny by Rebecca Weatherspoon and the audio book at first I will say this at first I was like what is this because the audio book is read by a Scotsman I'm assuming he is a Scotsman because when he speaks in his accent it that seems to be the most comfortable way that he speaks in in the audiobooks, does that accent very well. And I've noticed a lot of the other books that he's done have to do with Highlanders. So I'm assuming he's native. That's that's his native accent. So at first, when I first started reading it, I thought, uh, or when I first started listening to it, I thought, I thought this was a book about a black woman. <laughs> Cause there's a black woman on the cover. And I've got this white Scotsman talking right now. <laughs> um, you know, so where did that come from? I will say I put this book down when I first knew of its existence. I had read previously, I had read Rafe, which I totally love. And I will also put that on our book list as a recommendation. We won't get into it here, but it's also a ra- interracial romance loved that book because I love me a cinnamon roll hero and Rebecca Weatherspoon can really do a cinnamon roll hero with a nice little crunchy edge onto him, a crunchy beta edge. But uh, when I went into Zenny and I first started listening, I was put off by it. But when we got this, when I decided to do this podcast, I picked up Zenny again and I actually listened to it. And I listened to it twice yesterday. <laughs> and so now I'm all about a Scotsman. <laughs> and um, we have two recommendations today that have to do with Scotsman. So since I've been talking about Zenny, Mary, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you like Zenny and what's Zenny all about anyway? Right. Well, I, number one, love Rebecca Weatherspoon. Like, I have not read a Rebecca Weatherspoon book that I didn't just adore. She's so, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I knew picking up Zenny it was going to be good. And then I learned it was about a Scotsman and a fat Scotsman at that. And being that I do fat girls in fiction, I was like, woo. Plus size male, we never get that kind of representation. So exactly. So I was really excited about that. And then when I read the book, I was just, I was going to say pleasantly surprised, but I wasn't surprised because it's Rebecca Weatherspoon. <laughs> right. But yeah, so the, the premise of Zenny is that her aunt has passed away and has left her this inheritance. 
and she can't claim the inheritance unless she is married. But Anne also has had a special relationship with Mason, who is um, the said Scotsman from the area, and she's kind of doing some matchmaking from beyond the grave. And that's that's kind of zenny. And so there is, you do get that fun forks, um, forced proximity um, marriage of convenience trope, which is always a good time. Right. And clearly it is about a Black man and a or I'm sorry, a Black woman and a white Scottish man. So there's this, the diversity there too. Another thing is both of the characters in this book are also bisexual. So you get a lot of just well-rounded rep with a whole people who just have lots of different facets to them. And I really enjoy reading books when you just get these really rich characters. Yeah. I will say there I would give it a little bit of a trigger for if especially with um LGBTQ and family issues. That's a big, a big part of this. So if you have issues around that, I would it, it might not be for you, but she has a list, a content warning in the beginning that you can check out if you're wanting to give it a go. Cause besides that, I really enjoyed watching their relationship grow and you just I love Zenny because she's such a free spirit. Like you, you see that when you, if you read Rafe, this is the second book in the Loose End series and Rafe was the first one and you meet Zenny in that as a side character. So it's really fun to see her in this and learn more about who she is in the plot. Part of why the aunt left Mason this money is because he's trying to pay off a lot of debts and those debts are, Part of the reason he left Scotland and left his family and and has issues dealing with his own bisexuality because he hasn't always been accepted. I love that for the two of them, it's a non-issue and they get to be with the be with each other. And I will say also that this is I would I would say it's erotic. Like it may not technically be in the erotic genre because of the spice, um, how much of the stories around space is around spice. But it definitely is very graphic and has non-vanilla sex. So it's 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 inventive. And if if that is not something you're interested in, then you should know that going in. <laughs> but yeah, other than exactly. that, I think it was really great. Yeah. For heat level, if you don't know what pegging is and you don't want to know what pegging is, <laughs> Do not read this book. This yes. is not for you. Hey, what's the definition? No, I will not give you a definition <laughs> of that while we are recording. No, thank you. Uh, yes. <laughs> I won't do it. Oh, God. But Stacy, now I'm going to put you on blast right now. So tell us about your Scotsman and your, and your selection today. Okay, um, my selection is The Red Scott, and it's by Twala Turner. I've kind of stuck to Twala Turner since my last, the book I tried to read was not that great for me. <laughs> the Red Scott, I guess, I guess trigger warning kind of thing, because there is mention of a sexual assault at the very beginning of the, at the very beginning of the book. Okay. Um, which explains why later on in the book she is, I was a black woman, white male, um, and he's a Scot. And her apprehension about being around men, but really not all men, but particularly larger, more 
I guess, athletic, you know, alpha looking man um, because of that experience. And I would say trope wise, kind of once I finished, once we talked about tropes and what kind of trope this, I had to think about it. And I think it was almost a damsel in distress in a way. Not saying that he saves her totally or anything like that, because she does help save herself. But I'm just saying that's the only trope I can really think of for it. And in this book, uh, very good. It was steamy, sweet because of the characters in a way. But it's Twilight Turner. So you do get some some great scenes (laughs) in there. Of course. but the overall theme of the book is like, you know, she's she's um, at Princess by being around those kind of men, but she and her friends, and I do like the fact that she has a group of friends, four, uh, three other friends, so it's a total of four of them. And I think it's supposed to be a series. So far, when I've looked at it, uh, called the Curvy Girl series, there's only been two of them, this one and then a second one. Um, each one of her um, friends are curvy um, as well, and they decide to start going to a gym for no other reason, really. Um, to be healthier, which I like that versus, hey, I'm trying to lose weight kind of a thing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying it was right. more for her benefit in trying to be healthier, that sort of thing. So I'm starting to work out more. Um, and that's where she meets the um, the male character and his name is Brayden. Her name is Peyton. His is Brayden. And that's where they meet. And he falls for her more so than she falling for him because of the fact that he is it's his gym and therefore he is more athletic fit. And later on, he is a as a MMA fighter kind of a thing. Basically, the whole thing when it comes to de- damage and stress, she does get stopped in this in this series. So in this book. So I don't want to go too much into that because that will kind of tell the story. But it's one of those things where she becomes more confident in herself just by standing up for herself and trying something new because she wasn't a way afraid of him. Um, not so much of what he was doing just because of how he looked. So it was kind of a difference on she didn't like the way he looked because of his big size and how that is and how that made her feel because of her past. Okay. And we, and so, I mean, that was kind of different to me, I guess, because it was more, you know, and usually when we read books, and I know uh, for plus sizes, I know we're going to be doing that too. And another, we think he would have more of an issue with her versus she having more of an issue with him. and. Not trust him, not because of what he does or how he looks or what he does, but but specifically because of how he looks. And I do like the fact that in that book, her friends are a big part of it, about pushing her to do something new, different, trying something different, but also having her back and understanding why she's that way. So I did really enjoy this book. I think it's a really quick, it's not a very long read, but it's a very good read if you're going to... for um, these kind of books. And it was really spicy at times, but again, it was a build up to it, which right. I like instead of straightforward, you know, land man, thank you, ma'am. It was just really, <laughs> you had to, um, they built up to that point. And you had to, if you hear the history, you're reading the beginning part of it, it was going to be something that, that will build out to that relationship that she had to overcome things and learn how to trust them. And so you do have a, have a sense of where they're getting to know each other. And therefore you get to know the characters a lot better. And so when they finally do it, you're like, oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I really did enjoy this read. And I did like, um, there, he is Scott, but he, but it's based here 
in America and he's just a transplant over there, but it, it does have, you know, his accent. He doesn't speak. Um, he just speaks English. Uh, no, he does mention there's a couple of times where he does the sweet nothings in their ear kind of a thing. But overall, it's English. But you can, I guess, because I've watched Outlander. So you can hear, you kind of have an idea of what you think he's just sound in your head if you watched any of that. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly, exactly. It's like, oh, nice. (laughs) Well, um, I'm telling you, I'm getting all of these wonderfully good selections here. I think I'm just going to be reading until the end of time pretty Mm -hmm. much, but these are going way high up on that on that tbr list for me you know a lot of these selections are are actually kind of right up my alley and i didn't realize it until i got y'all on so thank you for coming and recommending these books you're very welcome thank you for allowing us to be part of this platform yes this has been so fun yes i'm so happy to have all of you here And for those of you out there who are also trying to put these books on your TBR, wondering where to get these books, all of them will be in the show notes. Uh, All the books that were mentioned will be in the show notes. For those of you who may be missing one of our other Nerdy Romantics guest hosts, I'm actually going to give her a shout out. So Dana... Um, who's not with us today. I kind of gave a little bit of a rule that we weren't going to redo books, but I just had to do a shout out and had to do a mention. So Dana first uh, told me about More Than Crave You by Shayla Black. That series, her More Than series, is not necessarily interracial series, but that particular book is an interracial romance between a black woman and a white man because of her recommendation of that book and she specifically told me to get it in an audiobook because of christian fox that is what started this whole podcast because i wanted to talk about romance audiobooks and talk about christian fox so I had to give her a shout out, but everything that you have heard as far as the book recommendations, authors, titles, everything like that will be in our show notes at nerdyromanticspodcast.com. Our last episode of this mini series, maybe, unless we hear some requests for more, will be about plus size romances. And that's where the character will, one or more of the main characters in the romance will be considered plus size. We will also accept curvy. We will also accept fat. And we'll talk about what all of that means next time. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast. And for our newsletter, You can sign up for that at nerdyromanticspodcast.com. So that's all for this episode. We've got a new website at nerdyromanticspodcast.com. But don't fear, all of our episodes and their show notes are on our new website. While you're there, please consider donating to our podcast with the donate button at the top right hand corner or the buy me a coffee button on the show notes for each episode. Your donations go straight to keeping this podcast on the air and keeping all of our episodes out there for you to listen to whenever you want to.
if you want to get our show notes in your inbox, please consider signing up for our Nerdy Romantics newsletter. The sign-up form is at the bottom of each page on our new website. Thank you for listening. Star date, not too distant future. Brandon is a diehard Trekkie. He's watched every Star Trek franchise episode multiple times. He has several cosplay and collectible uniforms in his closet. Commander Will Riker is his favorite cosplay character, and he's been to dozens of conventions. But he's never met or gotten in a fight with another Trekkie like Phoenix. Phoenix is looking forward to her first Star Trek convention until she meets Brandon. He's nothing like the Riker character she loves to hate. He's combative, socially awkward, and off-putting. But he's so adorable. Phoenix and Brandon keep running into each other, each time more heated than the next. With three days of convention to get through, will they get past the hostility and find what they know is there? Attraction and perhaps love? This is the premise of Stardate, a free e-story for my newsletter subscribers, available on February 1st. If you like Trekkie romance, romantic comedy, or just like to see a little grumpy sunshine trope, this story is for you. Go to ymnelson.com backslash subscribe and get your free copy.